0: Welcome to CurveBeam Connect. Listen in monthly as we talk with doctors and experts in the field discussing innovations and insights into orthopedic imaging.
1: Welcome to CurveBeam Connect. My name is Vinti Singh. I am the director of marketing here at CurveBeam, and today we are taking our podcast to the video format and uh We are quite honored to have with us Dr. Francois Lintz, who is actually our very first guest when we launched CurveBeam Connect. And so this is such a great opportunity to circle back and and get an update. I feel like so much has happened since the first time that we talked. Um, Dr. Lintz, thank you so much for being here with us today.
0: Thank you very much for inviting me. And again, I have no clue what you want to talk about. So this is going to be totally spontaneous.
1: (laughs) Wonderful. Well, I think sometimes that's the best way. The best conversations come out of spontaneity. So for anyone who, um, is, uh, has not met you before, can you give us a little bit of a background, uh, you know, where do you practice? What is your surgical focus? Give us a little bit of an intro into, uh, yourself.
0: So the background is that uh I'm 40, uh I'm a father of 3, that that would define who I am and then I'm a foot and ankle surgeon and I fell in love with uh foot and ankle in 2006. Uh and um it was a sort of radiology biomechanics sort of uh class and uh I just saw the opportunity there of a, a, a young specialty that was Maya is going to grow in the coming years and um, then I guess one of the major things that happened to me was uh, having some great people in France uh, um, doing what was you know required so that I could get a good fellowship and I did this with uh, Dr. Ian Winston in Bristol in the UK and uh, he had the intuition that uh, we were going to switch to 3D uh, sooner than later and he asked me to, to work on hindfoot alignment uh in 3d so which was a totally weird concept and uh and he he was this uh funny guy and he he was uh, very you know involved in all sorts of things so he was also very busy so i came back to him a few times saying hey you know dr winston what do you really want me to do here and he said well you know the foot and you know 3d find something <laughs> and it was just that and so um, so then we had this idea to measure hind foot alignment in 3D and to define what that meant. And that was the sort of the seminal work that led us to working together with Curve being uh, creating the Talus software and the foot and ankle offset, uh, which I think is gaining a lot of traction in, in the research and the clinical world uh, currently. So I, I, I guess that this would uh, define me best. Uh, I have a, a private practice in foot and ankle surgery in Toulouse in the south of France, uh, which I'm very happy with. Got a great team uh, and, uh, and uh, two partners, uh, Dr. Medi and Dr. Laborde, which, are, uh, which we work very closely with, and uh, it's great to be there.
1: That's wonderful. And
0: uh, so that, that's for, that was for the beginning. And uh, OK, because this uh, you, I could talk for hours about this. But basically, um, I know because you told me before you wanted to talk about the International Weight-Bearing City Society. So basically, after this first phase, um, I, I was lucky enough to, uh, um, to publish on this subject and to be one of the first to publish. And uh, Professor Martinus Richter in Germany um in berlin 2016 uh, decided to uh, uh organize a meeting so that people who had an interest in weight bearing city could get together and then that's when we uh we created the the, the international weight bearing city study group at first and then it became a society and there were a few authors that were there so there was professor Richter there was uh, Arne Bursens um, Alexey Barg uh, there was John DeLand, I remember from HSS New York, who was there for the first meeting, and you were there too, Vinti, uh, and there was Caesar, the Cesar Neto, and it was like uh, um, uh, we fell into friendship uh, this first meeting, and then we started talking, and and uh, he's a great person, great brain, and uh, he's all over the place, uh, ideas all the time, doing a thousand things at the same time, and so and so we got closer together and started. Uh, you know, uh, uh, brainstorming and publishing and publishing and publishing about weight-bearing CT, and he has uh, he has a really inspiring uh, you know career. Uh, he he was uh, he he came from Brazil uh, and at age 35 decided to you know uh, go for it and go to the US and then he did all his fellowships and and uh, he's such a great guy that everywhere he goes people want to hire him and and uh and i want to keep in touch with him and so anyway he he he's now in uh he's now associate professor in iowa and he's driving the the research lab there as well and he's got a host of uh fellows registrars and 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 medical students with him doing a lot of research so so this is sort of the the um second part of uh of uh this uh this journey which is has become, of course, a lot more than my own journey now involving lots of other people and, and, um, and, uh, but mostly based on promoting the weight bearing cities technology, uh, because it's such a huge, you know, revolution that everything has to be redefined in terms of, uh, imaging and even diagnosis. Um, so yeah, I guess that sums it up. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, uh... Uh, packing, uh, a, a varied timeline into a very small amount of time. So, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, the weight bearing CT study group, it was a, a group of surgeons who came together in 2016 in Berlin who said, we're all interested in weight bearing CT, uh, fast forward. Um, it's now the weight bearing CT society. It's, uh, in, uh, official, uh, organization that is, is registered in Belgium. You have, um, uh, several members. Uh, you uh, have sat on different positions on the board starting as treasurer and uh, now you are incoming president, president-elect of the Weight-Bearing CT Society. So could you just quickly reflect on what the society has been able to accomplish uh, since that first meeting in 2016? Two, what are some of the highlights of what you've you've all been able to do for, for the profession and for furthering the technology?
0: Well, uh, I will uh, paraphrase our first president, uh, Professor Hista, when when he's asked this question, he says, there was three of us in the first meeting in 2016. And now the board has six people. Scott Ellis from HSS has joined the 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 board. Uh, We have uh, close to twenty academic affiliates, uh, great people from all over the world. Um, uh, Two of them have started the standards committee because one of the main um, uh, goals that we're tracking is to redefine measurements in three D. So it's sort of you know the ongoing from what we'd started. Uh, way before uh, redefining hind foot alignment, but th- we have to do the same thing for all measurements in the foot and ankle um, so so we have um, uh, Professor Zorn Ziegler from uh, drexel university philadelphia u uh, s who who is uh, in in the standards committee uh, and uh, professor Alberto leardini uh, from Mizzoli instituto in uh, Bologna, Italy. Uh, and they're just such great driving, driving forces from the academic world, uh, helping us to, to, to drive this forward. Uh, and we've, uh, we've have, I think, close to 60 now, uh, members and, uh, and, you know, constantly growing. Um, I think it's just become obvious now that, you know, we're just switching to 3D. You know, it's just like things that have happened like that in the world before in like 2d printing now it's 3d printing uh 3ds everywhere so it's just uh it just seems natural and uh, you know we have surgeons from all generations joining uh obviously you'd think like the young ones they're sort of native with 3d uh and everything that's uh ai driven and but it's actually not you know the fact one of one of the people who was there at the first meeting is uh charlie saltzman who's now editor in chief of Footnote International. Uh he was there at the first meeting and he was uh he was uh, very very supportive from day one. Um, and uh, so anyway, so we've we've one of the things we've achieved is definitely grow in terms of members and uh and and we're now reaching a pretty critical size where uh, other things are going to happen like we're thinking of having our own congress uh, of course we we've had two already which were online uh and we're we're hoping to 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 host a live one somewhere you know uh sometime uh sooner than later i hope but I definitely hope it will be during my presidency um so there's uh there's one other thing that that was uh a lot of work and and uh and uh, and it was uh, driven by Professor Richter during his presidency. Uh, was the book the International White Brain City Society book, uh, in which we summarized uh, most of the literature of the existing literature, and then we added some chapters, you know, to give more insights on the technical aspects, on the indications, some clinical cases. So I think the book was quite successful, and we we have to start working on a on a, an updated version uh one of the thing that we did is that we uh we became an institution at first it was just a study group was just people getting together meeting and it was directly supported by uh the industries such as yourselves and uh you know i think we have to pay tribute to to the the, the first three ones that was there uh and and curve was uh one of one of these uh, with uh, your two competitors, uh, PlanMed and carestream, and it was I think uh, uh, of course this is a curve beam uh, meeting but it's uh, it's important to cite the the competition because it's uh mark I think of intelligence that at this stage you know in 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 the history of the technology uh, the the three competitors actually got together to push something that was independent that benefited everyone. Because I think this technology transcends, you know, just the interest of the industries, Uh, it's directly in the best interest of patients. Um, So I think that's something very important that we did, Uh, but it wasn't enough. And at some point we had to uh, somehow uh, to become an institution. So there was a lot of work from. um Olga our first uh, secretary so that one thing that we done is we hired a secretary Olga came from Efas. um that's the European and, uh,
1: Society uh for listeners who may Yeah and
0: she's there. she's yeah sorry about that and uh she stayed with us for over a year and it's actually her husband uh Tangui who uh took over from her so there was a nice continuity there and Olga, and especially Arne Bursens, uh, the, the current uh, secretary of the society, uh, uh, actually um, worked in order to have the society registered in Belgium uh, so that we could become a scientific society. What that means is that we are now independent from the industries. Uh, we are like any uh, you know, scientific society. We have, of course, a sponsorship scheme uh, with, you know, platinum, gold, bronze, et cetera, uh, silver, uh, sponsorship programs, uh, just like AOFAS, uh, EFAS, uh, any, uh, EFORT, IFAS, you know, all of them. Um, and I think that's quite, that's quite normal. And we have to thank them for, for what they do for us. Um, so I think that was a big step. Um, and, and, uh, I think that, um, well, that answers sort of your your question. Uh, you know, what happened between two thousand sixteen and now? That's only five years. I think that's a huge achievement in only five years. A-
1: absolutely, it's it's. I think it's it's moved at lightning speed. Um, and I think another major accomplishment is that it uh, the membership was primarily foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons, but now there are also radiologists. There are biomechanical. Uh, Engineers, uh, there are now knee uh, specialists and, you know, uh, even hip specialists. So the, the disciplines that are involved in the society, uh, I think, also really demonstrates uh, the how all the members are quite focused on um, synergies between specialties. Uh, and, and not staying in silos and and using the technology as a bridge to bring together, for example, orthopedics and radiology and, and you know, uh, uh, disciplines like that.
0: Yeah. So you're sort of asking where, where, so we summed up what happened between the beginnings and now. And so where are we heading now? I think that's the major, you know, uh, that's, that's the major, um, uh, you know, project in the coming years. uh I think the technology has matured now, has grown sort of, I wouldn't say out, but has grown beyond just foot and ankle. Uh, I, th- I think at the beginning it was very important for us to keep it foot and ankle because there was, you know, the weight bearing aspect that was particularly important and the 3D aspect that was particularly important in foot and ankle. So, if you had to find, you know, innovators and people who really saw the light with weight-bearing CT, you would find them in foot and ankle. Uh, I think cone beam is hugely beneficial, even in for hand surgeons, uh, especially the the you know the new brand, the wallen surgeons that are all uh, um, you know uh, very efficient, innovative, inventive. Uh, I think we we have one in our institution and. He has a cone beam unit within his department, and uh, and it, it, this has dramatically reduced the, the 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 time frame and and also uh, the you, you know time consumption and cost consumptions for for his patients because it's just out there. He needs he needs the image. Let's just put your hand here, and it's done. Uh, and it's all 3D and it's all great, but it's not even weight-bearing, so that they don't have the weight-bearing, but they have 3D, you know, it's just, it makes things so much easier for them. So, and and it's no mystery, because you were talking about knees and hips, but there's also spines, you know, it's no mystery to anyone now, that uh, weight-bearing said he's literally just growing. I mean, it started at our feet, and then now it's at our hips, and then soon it's gonna, you know, it's gonna raise, uh, it's going to be back where it started, you know, Conebeam started with the dental stuff. So it's going to just be back. It's like the 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 loop will be closed. Mm-hmm.
1: Is is that one of the goals of your tenure to continue to expand the specialties that are involved in the society?
0: Definitely. I mean, there's just uh, so many people knocking at our door now uh, in terms of knee surgeons, especially, and, and there's some hip surgeons that are approaching. is definitely, I mean, they've been... In from the uh, beginning, uh, we have uh, Dr. Shadpour Demary, uh who, who was um, uh, with us since the beginning. Uh, our last Congress, we had John Carino, uh, who was there, who talked. Uh, and I'm sorry, I don't remember all the names, but uh, I mean, there's many other people uh, that are involved with us. Um, so. It's, I mean, it's obvious for radiologists, but at at first it doesn't seem obvious for knee surgeons or hip surgeons, uh, and now it doesn't seem so obvious for spine surgeons. But I think definitely, you know, uh, uh, weight-bearing CT is just growing. So you know, you're going, you guys on the industrial side, you are going to achieve spines in a, you know, in the foreseeable future, definitely. So it's definitely, in my presidency, one of the things that we're going to do is uh, uh, open uh, to uh, people from other specialties. Um, but we still want to sort of drive things because, uh, you know, we definitely have a vision for, for how this uh, should evolve. I think on the other side, uh, this is like a, a um, this technology transcends just a hyper specialty. It's like you know a new tool. It's like arthroscopy. So there's always an arthroscopy society that's going to, uh, you know, be that's going to be there because there's all the technology and all the industry behind it. But at some point now, everyone within each specialty has harnessed the power of arthroscopy and is using it within. So if you're interested in arthroscopy, you can go to an, arthros- an arthroscopy congress. But you can also go to a general orthopedic congress. Or you can go to the specialist for an ankle or knee uh, Congress and and, and you'll see a lot of arthroscopy as well. So our goal is it's not a selfish one of of uh, of growing the weight bearing CT society. I think the 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 longer term and more sort of beautiful goal would be if the uh, if the technology is absorbed by all the societies uh, themselves. well, I, yeah, I hope that answers your question. It's definitely opening is definitely something we're we're onto. Yeah.
1: So, what we have to look forward to is is possibly an in person uh, congress organized by Weight Bearing CT Society, which would be a, a full agenda of of weight bearing CT related topics. Uh, a uh, more specialties getting involved in the society. Anything else that uh, while you're president, you would. Uh, love to see accomplished, or at least efforts that are started.
0: Well, I'd like to do some updates uh, on on the book. You know, pro- maybe uh, propose to, to publish uh, a new version with uh, new stuff about uh, AI, automatic measurements, things that have been published since the last uh, the the first version of the book was published. I think we have to think about that. Um, we, we have, uh, we have, uh, of course the standards committee that's doing a huge work and I can't say much about that because it's all, uh, you know, you have to bring lots of people from, uh, the academic world, the clinical world, the industrial world, the radiology world, everyone has to be together, has to agree on those standards. So I can't just start blabbering on about how I think it should be. Cause the goal is that we all agree, but coming up with standards that because what's happening now is that the industry is definitely growing and in terms of software I always use this parallel with uh uh you know the, the GPS system. I always say that Waybrank City is like the GPS. So at first everyone you know kept reading roadmaps saying oh I don't need I don't need the GPS. It's uh it's for people who don't know how to read a roadmap. Uh and then you know a few years later I, Nobody uses roadmaps anymore. Everybody uses, uses the GPS. Uh, so in terms of that industry, what triggered you know, the, uh, the explosion of the market was software engineers and software editors creating new uses based on the data provided by the satellites. Like, So you have you guys, you produce satellites, put them in the air. So Weight-bearing CT machines, put them in clinics, and this produces data, and the data comes pouring in, and then at first you have researchers like us, you know, like trying to depict things from uh, from the data, and 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 uh, making progress, and it's all great, but then you have people, and it's it's their job to create software and to create new uses, to invent new uses. Uh, and so this has already happened. Like there's distance mapping now. You know everybody uses distance mapping now. There's coverage maps that are starting to uh, to be created, and everybody's using those. Uh, and and so the explosion is going to be when the the software producers are going to 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 multiply and and create new uses and make them available to the clinician. So that that's what I call intelligence. Just the multiplication of. of of opportunities
1: and you want to make sure there's some standards in place. So no matter what software program you're using, there can be some comparisons. Uh, I I heard on the radio this morning about how uh, the car industry in the United States, is looking to establish some standards for electric charging vehicles, so that uh, no matter you know it can be as uh, standardized as gas stations are now. So no matter what port you go to park your car in, uh, it's it's always going to be the same. And and I, I think exactly, this could I be think that's a, very a important. parallel. It's yeah. in
0: the best interest of everyone because mm-hmm. uh, you know it's you know you can't divide the market like this with uh, you know with proprietary things. Yeah, I mean, it it works in, to some extent, like, you know, we've seen historically Apple, you know, go straight into, you know, proprietary things, sort of failed in the early 1980s. And it was a complete success uh, in the years 2000 until uh, uh, 2007. Uh, but now it's sort of, uh, you know, the other way around. There's more and more compatibility with between between Macs and and other sorts of computers. So I think uh, in the end, compatibility is important. And uh, especially in medicine, I mean, in our realm, the the thing is that there is no truth. It's like, uh, you know, the the most, I think, I think the most well-known and used uh, hindfoot measurement uh, in 2D is still the Salzmann angle or the Salzmann offset. I personally prefer the offset, Uh, but it's like, it's a standard. It's not the truth, you know, there's other ways. There's the long leg axis, there's foot and ankle offset. It's just a different way to measure the same thing, but then the values uh, vary and uh, it's all right if you don't have a lot of values you don't have you don't have a lot of data you know if it's always you know repeatable but now that there's all this 3D data available uh everywhere then you you can't have uh you know 100 ways to measure something you have to define it in one way and and this will also help the industry i think because if we don't do that you know uh those people are going to start making software measuring things in in some sort of way and then People will go to to one clinic and have one measurement and then to another clinic and have another measurement just because the software is not constructed in the the same way. So I think it's very important for patients too.
1: Would you like to talk at all about the survey that the Weight-Bearing CT Society has organized to try to get feedback?
0: Yeah, we have to talk about that. Obviously... Uh, there's uh, 100,000 measurements that you can do in a foot and ankle. I mean, there's uh, there's a huge number. of. Uh, I mean, there's uh, there's about 3,000 voxels in a uh, foot and ankle data set. So you could say there's 300,000 measurements that are possible. There's an infinity of measurements possible. So anyway, you have to start somewhere. You have to decide which ones are the most important. Of course, they're not absolutely the most important. So the best... The next best thing to the truth that we have is what does the majority think so we've we've created a survey with the standards committee and it's currently hosted at the rizzoli Institute and uh, Alberto liardini is, is overseeing the, the whole process uh, and what we're trying to uh, ask from our fellow you know researchers and, and surgeons and Radiologists, rheumatologists—you know, everyone that wants to take part—is what do they think are the most important measurements in the foot and ankle, and which ones should be translated into 3D, and in what order? Uh, And uh, and so we're we're constantly, you know, poking uh, our colleagues and reminding them about this survey because we need as many as possible, and of course we want to publish the results of this survey. Uh, and and we want to use this as a guideline to uh uh to drive uh the research around creating those standards
1: can you say how many results you've gotten so far and do you have a goal of how many surgeons you would like to provide feedback for the survey
0: i think we're close to uh i think we're pretty close to the number of uh, members that we have so we must be between 50 and 60 but we'd like to double triple yeah uh, this uh, this amount yeah of course it's a little bit you know hyper specialized everything it's a bit mathematic and geometrical so it's not very sexy but i think it's a uh, it's an important work that we have uh, we have to contribute to
1: talking about important works shifting to sort of the more practical political side of things um, not only are you involved very heavily in the weight bearing ct society but you have played uh, a large role in the organizing effort uh, in in France to establish a reimbursement code for cone beam CT. So, could you talk a little bit about for those of us who are who are not in France, um, the issues, the the insurance issues currently with operating a cone beam ct system and and what you and uh some colleagues are trying to accomplish and and what you've been able to achieve thus far
0: well that's a complicated matter and and i can't disclose everything about that uh but actually uh i was um uh, i was uh Asked to take part in an endeavor from uh, the, the French Orthopedic Society to, uh, uh, to take part in a, in a discussion with the, uh, uh, basically, the, the, um, the entity that, that uh, decides on uh, reimbursement schemes, basically, in France. Uh, and um, it's an ongoing, you know, uh, it's an ongoing uh, project. Um I think what's important to note is that it's uh it's pretty huge because you're basically talking about replacing a, a, an older technology by a newer one. Um but we have had absolutely excellent, you know, feedback from the authorities. Uh I mean, you can't say like they're overly excited and everything because, you know, they are very and it's good, you know they're very responsible people they 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 have our money it's it's the taxpayer money, so uh they have to be careful with what they do, so they wanna check all the science uh they wanna have everybody's opinion you know uh with the big surgeons but also radiologists um and uh but they, they definitely, I mean, we were given an opportunity to explain, you know, all the benefits of the technology, uh, essentially for patients. And I think these guys, that, that's what they have in their mind, the mind, the, the, the patient's best interest. Uh, and I, I can't thank them enough. I mean, this only lasted like for an hour and a half, but they were very, very, you know, attentive. They were listening to us, you know, they asked, uh, you know, precise questions. Uh, we were there, but the French radiology society was there also. And it's, it's a funny thing that I told her by the way, but, uh, uh, it, it was, uh, Professor Cotton who is from, uh, Lille and, and she, she has been a user of weight bearing CT, uh, and, uh, they, 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 they published on it. And, and, uh, when I said I earlier, I fell in love with foot and ankle and it was, a uh, radiology slash biomechanics uh, uh class. Uh it was her class. Like she was the person. She was the teacher, the mentor that, you know, I just I saw her class. I thought uh, this foot and ankle is just a beautiful thing, a thing of beauty. And I, I want to be interested in that. It's uh it's gonna drive my interest in orthopedics. Uh and then and, and here we are again meeting again at at this uh at this uh, uh at this meeting with with our health authorities so, you know, these guys are obviously very busy, especially with the COVID uh situation now. Uh, but we're we're you know, we we're we're in touch. Uh I I only you know I only intervene when I'm asked to because I'm sort of the technician there and the uh, more research guys. Uh uh and um so 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 um I, I get involved when they ask questions. Uh, but I, th- it's just basically the, 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 president of French orthopedic society together with the president of foot and ankle society, uh, you know, they, 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 they've gotten hold of this and, and they're pushing it forward. Uh, but there's, there's no really pushing back from the ufologies. I mean, they, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a, a no brainer. So it just takes the administrative time, which I think is necessary. But if I recall, uh, Arun Singh, the the founder and CEO of Curvebeam, uh, I remember meeting uh, over the phone in 2015. And he told me, Francois, this is going to take 10 years. Just hang on to your seat. It's just going to take 10 years. And he said, I did it before in the dental arena. It's going to take 10 years. So after all, we're only in 2021 and uh i would say we're still on tracks to beat the dentists because it took the dentists 15 years uh to completely convert to the new technology so um i mean not completely but it's it's become mainstream definitely uh so i mean it's only been it's only been 5 years since the creation of the weight brain city society and it's been i think it was 2012 2013 I think Professor Richter, who was uh, the first in Europe, he, he got his machine to 2013. So it's only been seven, eight years. We've still got two years to go. But we're definitely, you know, at, at this point in the curve where, um, you know, we see a dramatic change. I mean, in the congresses, in the meetings, uh, in the first years, it was uh, like, these are the Waybac CT guys. You know, they do some weird stuff and there's not many of them. And, uh, whereas now it's just, it's the place to and be.
1: Now it's, you know, the recent IFAB conference that just concluded, that's the international foot and ankle biomechanics conference, that entire agenda basically over the the three days of that conference was very much dominated by weight bearing CT lectures and talks. So you, you are no longer sort of the fringe, uh, researchers at the conference, you you know, you're, you're on the center stage. So I think, and and that is, it's, if you look back, it is a very short amount of time for that big shift to happen in the specialty. And I, I think it's a, it's a huge testament that the French authorities and the French radiology society came to the table and, and were willing to, uh, to hear the arguments for, for making cone beam CT sort of written into the, the reimbursement code in France. So, uh, I think that's, that's great. Well, it's
0: not done yet, but, I'm you know, very optimistic, you know, because we, we really were talking with, uh, people who, uh, yeah, were positive and optimistic and, and, uh, and proactive. So it's, uh, it was, it was great. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's, it's really a big, uh, you know, a lot is owed to, to people like you who are, driving the change and sort of, you know, tirelessly ringing the bell when, when many would prefer to, uh, continue to do what they've always done because it's more comfortable, but saying, you know, this is, this is the right way for the future. And along those lines, you know, you have, I'd love to talk about, you've proposed a, a rebrand for weight bearing CT. You've proposed rebranding it from from weight-bearing ct to to 3d x-ray and uh can you talk a little bit about you know where where that idea where that concept came from and why you think it's it's critical for for the for weight-bearing ct to progress uh in the next stages
0: well uh thanks i mean uh that's very kind of you uh first of all what you said but i think um uh, you know things happen for a reason and I, i'm just you know one of the lucky guys to be in the right place at the right time and with the right people um because it's, uh, it's really teamwork uh this uh i mean the whole waybang city society board and all the members every well, i mean all the industry everyone is is pushing but also i would say it's sort of a natural wave like going from 2d to 3d it's natural it's of it's happened before so we're just carried by a big wave that is pushing everything up uh and it's good uh it's nice to be there but uh it's uh if it was a bad idea you know i could just carry on ringing bells all day long it's just it wouldn't work uh and now it's it's happening whatever i do i could just sit there and not talk to you and things would still happen you know i could just stop everything i do come back in 3 years and it would still have grown so anyway uh, sorry. What was your other question? Yeah. a Very important question. Rebranding. Yes. I think it's absolutely crucial. Uh, I think anyway, it's it's it's. It's going to happen anyway, but I think this would hugely help. I think it was a bad decision to brand it a weight bearing CT from the beginning. I think. It wasn't necessarily intrinsically bad, but it turned out to be a bad decision. I think at the beginning it it was probably clever because it was such a huge revolution that you could just you come out and say, okay, just stop X rays and just switch to cone beam. You had to find a niche in which you would find people who could, you know, listen to you and see what the interest of it. So one of the things that uh, foot and ankle surgeons had been dreaming on for not centuries, but decades, was weight-bearing CT. There had been endeavors to try and simulate weight-bearing in uh, conventional CT machines. So, you know, this probably got uh, foot and ankle surgeons to listen, uh, but now the problem is that it's playing against the technology because what, what's happening is when you say weight-bearing CT, Well, there's CT. So when you think CT, you think big machine, expensive, special authorization, irradiation for patients. Uh, And also, you think of a centralized, like uh, big radiology units. So people have to move there. So you think carbon footprint and everything. So you think uh, putting all the people together uh, to have these CT scans. So you think COVID and everything uh so 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 it's not not sort of the way you want to think uh cone beam c t uh you want to think it decentralized so point of care close to where the patient is uh so it improves you know the patient flow it improves the carbon footprint it improves uh, everything basically so uh and also it's cheap. I mean we it's very easy of course the price is very depending on where you are in the world the reimbursement and everything but the i mean the bearing city society uh with uh, professor richter published a paper on 11000 uh cone beam ct's that was professor richter's experience over the five first years with more 11000 scans and uh so he basically shown that he saved 50 euros per patient. Uh, I would put it another way too. Um, we calculated that you need 50 scans a month to pay for the machine. The rest is bonus. It's cash for you or your institution. So if you're a single foot and ankle surgeon doing 10 cases a week, which is you know average, I, I would guess. Not now because we have the COVID, so so we have to have that, but. In normal times, you do 10 pre-ops, 10 post-ops. You have four weeks, so it's 80 scans. So basically, you're paying for the machine, and you're making money. And the patient saves money because it doesn't have to travel. It doesn't have to have more radiation, et cetera. So I think the term CT is bad because also technologically, it's not a CT. It's not a tomography machine, which is, which is an, an isotropic uh uh, imaging uh, and basically chops you up in, in slices and you have to uh, use a computer algorithm to stack it up together. It's a cone beam, so it's a it's a cone beam that just does a single revolution. Uh, when you think CT, you also think, oh, this is going to, you know, I have to drive there, they are gonna have, they're going have to have to have me in, I'm going to have to lie down in the machine and it's going to take about, you know, five minutes, then I have to wait so it's like time consuming and 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 that's that's not even mentioning that the ct comes after the the radiographs first you have to go through a series of radiographs like laterals ap's uh anterior ap views and that that takes 20 minutes of radiology technician time that they could spend with other patients they could spend uh you know doing more you know interesting things so anyway it's it's um it's it's become obvious, you know, that CT is a bad term because it, it wires your brain towards a technology, which is not what we want to focus on. We want to focus on point of care. It's quick. It's cheap. It's better because it's 3D. You don't need to prove that 3D is better than 2D. You know, it's just, it's like, I don't know, two potatoes is better than one potato. I mean, uh. You know two pencils better than one pencil
1: so by calling it 3d x-ray you're now people are thinking about it like you think of x-ray you you know x-ray is ubiquitous in in private yeah, clinics and it's-,
0: it's fast and you just go there and it's actually not so fast because in the foot and ankle you're because it's 2d you always have to have many incidences so so you, you it basically tw- takes 20 minutes and you don't see things as well etc etc but it's what People remember like radiography, flash. You know, it's not a heavy machine that is special and expensive and lots of radiation. It's just flash. It's done. And the other thing is weight-bearing CT. I think that we have to remove it now because uh, hand surgeons, elbow surgeons, you know, they use the technology and they don't use it weight-bearing. And it's too much of a niche because when people think weight-bearing CT, they think, Okay, so it's a CT that's weight-bearing. So I already have a CT at my uh, practice or my hospital. So what would I need a weight-bearing CT for? I already have my x-rays, my CTs. What extra things could this bring to me? Like I would see subfibular impingement better. That's one thing I would see. Probably arthritis, uh, you know, uh, sub- sinus tarsi impingement in, in flat feet, you know. Yeah, it's interesting in a few cases. So it's it, but it's wrong. It's not for a few cases, it's for all cases because all cases benefit from it.
1: I, I remember I asked Dr. Richter one time, what are your top 3 indications for weight-bearing CT and he said my next 3 patients. The next 3 patients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a Martinus quote all right.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, so that's absolutely right. It's the next three So I don't use X-ray. I don't use CT scan anymore. Uh, I use MRI a lot. I actually use more MRI now because uh, before I would ha- I would ask for a CT, which is like a you know it's like a big examination for the patient has to you know free up his day for that and and so I was when I you know I used to think oh, I'm not going to ask for an MRI as well you know unless of course I really needed it to see something. So uh now in terms of functional examination, I, I tend to ask for more MRIs. Um and uh but other than that, no 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 x rays anymore. So so yeah. So I really think it's important to recoin and rebrand the technology like it could be 3D cone beam, but that doesn't uh, uh, that, that, that doesn't that doesn't uh, flash a light in people's mind. They, most people don't know what cone beam is. They know what radiography is. Everyone knows what radiography is. So 3D radiography is like this. Is an innovation. It's like it's a radiography, but it's in 3D, and that's exactly what it is. It's radiology in 3D. So that's what we should call it. So everyone out there, if you hear this, just stop talking about weight bearing CT. Talk about 3D radiography, okay. I think that's and if a it great happens, idea. Yeah. If we're happy with the way it happens, we'll also rebrand the the, the society, uh, because at some point, you know, it's going to be have to be more all encompassing. But uh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I I I think that you're you're right. It will help people more readily understand this concept, um, and it might help people embrace the idea of of moving to a 3D world more quickly if it's, if it's uh, framed as a 3D x-ray, rather than a, a different kind of, of CT, because uh, most surgeons are already quite proficient and quite comfortable uh, with working with x-ray. And so making the leap from a 2D x-ray to a 3D x-ray does not seem as monumental as making the leap from um, 2D x-ray to, to CT. Um, for for every single for every single patient that walks in the door because you know I, I where curve beam is is positioned you know we we really see this as potentially a solution like dr richter said for every single patient and not um, a very specific uh set of of indications um and then to uh, to conclude our uh, discussion i would love to ask you uh in addition to to heading up the Weight Bearing CT Society and, and everything else that you're involved in uh clinically, you, you also uh oversee a number of, of research projects and are involved in a lot of research projects. Can you talk about some of the ones that you are involved in currently and, and, and where your research is focused right now? What are what are some of the the new areas that you are are looking into and and uh trying to shine some light on?
0: well uh, again i can't disclose everything but uh there's uh i can give you some insights on some things that we're continuing on and and some new stuff that we're looking into uh so one of the things we're continuing on is our work on the uh, chronic lilar ankle instability uh so we had published a first paper where basically uh we had measured a hyphen alignment in 3D and correlated that with a history of lateral ankle instability. And we'd shown a, mathena- a mathematical, actually logarithmical uh exponential uh correlation between a virus morphotype and uh ankle instability. Uh and this had there had been st- attempts in the literature before to capture that. Uh and um but in in fact uh, it, only a nods ratio was 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 found so just a single number for all patients and that was probably because it was uh, either non weight bearing or it was a, a, a 2d evaluation uh now what we found was a, an actual mathematical relationship so so the difference now if you, is if you give me your hind foot alignment i can give you the percentage risk you know, based of course on this data set, so it, it wouldn't apply to all populations, but um uh, you know that's that's the thing with research. You know, we, we only had our patients to to research on we can't research the whole world, but uh the idea is that I could then give you your based on this data, what is your risk of developing chronic lion instability? Uh so to push this further, uh we used a little bit more complex. Uh, geometry to uh, point out the uh, uh, insertion zones of the uh, lateral ankle ligaments and see how the offset, uh, the verizing offset uh, varies depending on uh, the kind of shoe wear and uh, uh, also dynamically when you put the foot in inversion inside the the weight-bearing CT machine. Uh, and, and this has shown very interesting, uh, results, uh, particularly, uh, I, I can talk about this because I showed it at, at the, uh, the DAF, the, the, the Deutsch, the, uh, the German, uh, the German, uh, Congress a couple of weeks ago where we were invited by, uh, Professor Richter on the weight bearing city session. Uh, so what we found is that the offset in a non Uh, in a non-shod person, in a a barefoot person, where the foot goes into inversion, the offset, where the uh, lateral ankle ligaments are situated, is equal to uh, what previous research had found to be the mechanical resistance of the ligaments. So, so the, the, the anatomy actually shows you uh you know the by using the spatial distribution of the bones you can calculate something that comes very close to the resistance of the ligament so it's not by chance that the, rivets, the 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 ligaments have this resistance it's because they are there you know situated this way in this anatomy uh, so that, that that's very uh, interesting and uh even more interesting is when you put people in shoes of course because the height increases then the lever arm increases and then you're way over you know the values that are acceptable in terms of resistance on those ligaments so uh you you might know but i'm a barefoot runner i i run in vibrant five figures uh i can say it works for me i wouldn't say it works for everybody but it worked for me i did two marathons in in those so uh i'm not afraid to say it does work for me uh but anyway Uh, It's a mathematical truth that if you increase the size of the heel, then there is more risk for the ligaments. And, you know, let's see if people were more barefoot, maybe not barefoot, but with more minimalist shoes, maybe we would see less ankle sprains and less uh, sports injuries.
1: So the the implications of this for for shoe design could be, you know, minimizing to the extent possible the elevation of, of a heel or a sole uh could could improve uh functionality and outcomes and and if, especially for those who have uh, chronic instability uh re- reduce the 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 impact of that instability uh on their everyday lives yeah
0: well we have several uh, examples of uh high performing athletes uh um especially runners that had ankle instability and, and several ankle sprains, and uh which were able to resume their activities by going minimalist. But of course, you know, you have to have a certain amount of training, it takes some time. It's a whole other discussion. Um and the second piece of research that uh that we've been looking into is uh uh looking into uh, the density of the bone. Uh but I think Curvebeam will have uh, more to say about that than I do. Uh, in terms of uh, looking at bone density, but basically uh, we were looking at the distribution of bone density depending on hind foot alignment and, and also showing a, a very nice correlation. So basically the bone goes where the compression is, where the force is, and it leaves where the force is not. So if, for example, in the virus ankle uh, where the the, uh, the ankle basically pops out and the heel goes inwards the bone leaves everything that's outside and then moves more towards the, the, the medial uh uh axis of the ankle. Uh and, and 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 that could explain why you see you know the the the, the certain pattern of, of uh arthrosis in, in those ankles. Uh so anyway. This this work is not as advanced, but it's a it's an on, ongoing uh project. Uh and uh uh, I hope that we can publish it soon enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it, it just goes to show that, uh, there is, there's so many specific, uh, directions you can go in the research and in each of those directions, the, the, what can be investigated is just, it's, it's infinite. And, and even though we've learned so much more about the foot and ankle with weight bearing CT, we've, we've made some critical discoveries. There's still so much more to be explored and, uh. The you know I think this is what drew you to the specialty uh, initially, but it's it's just such a fascinating part of the body from a biomechanical perspective. It how it works and when it breaks, why it breaks, and 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 what is happening. Um,
0: well, I think you're totally right, and and um, to put it in in a nutshell, everything we said I think sums down to one thing, is that knowledge will come from data, and data will come from having weight-bearing CTs everywhere uh, in place of uh, conventional radiography. So we should call it 3D radiography and just, you know, radiology friends and and colleagues and and, everywhere in the world, when you change soon enough your uh, conventional uh, radiography machines, uh you know switch them for a for a cone beam machine because that's where the data will come from that's where knowledge will come from that's how we improve our patient's
1: health Mm -hmm. very very well said um and i think a great statement to end on uh dr lenz it's it's always a pleasure to to sit down and talk with you and it's it's just so inspiring and um, i'm looking forward to when we connect hopefully in another year or two years on on curve beam connect and, and talk about uh you know all the exciting events that have taken place then. Um, I, I, I think I'm gonna go back and listen to our very first episode and just, just compare. Uh, and I think that will be a fun exercise and I encourage all of our listeners well, need to, to, to go give back. give me and... some
0: feedback on that. I'd, I'd like to hear about that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, well, thank you again. Uh, thank you to everyone who is tuning in um, and uh, be sure to look out for future episodes of, of Curbeam Connect. Uh, thank you so much. Have a good evening, Dr. Lentz.
0: Thank you, Vinti.